0: HVAC 360, episode number 79, Allerton controls from the HR Expo. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of HVAC 360. I'm your host, Matt Nelson. This week is the last of the episodes, uh, that I've gotten out of the archives, the evergreen content. Um, this one was especially interesting because this week I get to talk to Kevin Callahan, who is the product owner and evangelist, and in fact still is three years later for Alistair Controls. So, uh, I caught up with him. ...at the HR Expo, and I, I spent a good deal of time with them. We actually didn't record on the floor of the HR Expo, which normally is the case. Uh, instead, we kind of... I had some time to gather my thoughts, and I got to interview him after the fact. So, uh, the audio is going to be a little bit better uh, on this episode, and uh, you're going to be able to uh, hear what we're discussing. I mean, some of the interesting things is just how uh, the temperature controls industry is evolving, um, and some of the neat things that are out there on the market, and what it can do, uh, and what what the future holds for it. So uh, a lot of that is still relevant. So I'm excited to, to get this last uh, episode out to you uh, for your listening pleasure. And without further ado, let's cut to the tape with Kevin Callahan. <laughs> We're talking today with Kevin Callahan, who is the product owner and evangelist over at Allerton. How are you doing today, Kevin?
1: Excellent, Matt.
0: So, I, first off, i gotta, I got to ask you, because, you know, your job title, product owner and evangelist. I mean, I kind of get the evangelist part, but product owner kind of throws me. What, what does that mean?
1: So, um, I'm, even though I'm part of the product management uh, group, and that's kind of the department I belong to, I'm embedded into R&D, and I sit with the software developers. Um, as a product owner, I help drive uh, the priorities that get developed into the, the Compass software product, and then um, I, I uh, uh, look at defects, and I, I uh, help prioritize which defects need to be resolved um, you know, first versus, you know, next and or last. I help in the planning, um, uh, give them the objectives that we want to uh, develop in the next uh, development cycle. In the last uh, three years, we've embraced a an agile uh, development um, model where uh, our development is done in eight-week cycles, and those are called... Uh, um, uh, project uh, increments and so within that eight-week cycle we identify what value can we deliver to the market um, and then uh, I help prioritize that and guide that and then when they have questions uh, specifically around well how does the user use that or what's what's the purpose of this or is this the right way to show it then I help uh, answer those questions and keep them on task. Uh, eight-week cycles divide, divided up into four two-week cycles. And the beauty of that uh, compared to the traditional waterfall method where um, you develop a product over 18 months and then it's delivered to the market and customers go, yeah, you know, I kind of wanted that 18 months ago, but now I don't want it anymore. Because we work in eight-week cycles and, and those are broken up into two-week chunks, we can... Um, Uh, change course quickly and we can embrace new technologies as they um, uh, you know come about in the marketplace and in our business so that's kind of the product owner aspect
0: all right so we got the the kind of the name uh the title thing out of the way what if somebody didn't know anything about allerton can you what's your you know your elevator pitch on what allerton is and what they do for the industry
1: I wish my wife were here because she does a better job of it than I do because um, it's like, you know, what your husband do? Um, so Allerton, uh, here at Allerton, we uh, design uh, and we used to manufacture when we uh, were a private company, but now the manufacturing is all done in uh, Honeywell's um, manufacturing facilities uh, here in North America. But so we design uh, hardware and software for the Monitoring and control of building systems Um, and building sizes range from, they could be a retail store, uh, typically a a group of retail stores spread out geographically, up to a 76-story office building or even a um, 100-building campus the size of Microsoft. Um, So our software uh, monitors uh, the building systems, Through our controllers, we have a line of uh, field controllers, programmable controllers that go on terminal units out in the spaces within the buildings, Um, and then we also uh, uh, design and manufacture uh, larger controllers uh, for central plants, chillers, boilers, and whatnot, and so we control uh, those processes to maintain the comfort conditions within a building: temperature, humidity, pressure, CO2, uh, and then we, the software uh, allows you to monitor monitor those uh, areas graphically through uh, graphic displays on a on a PC screen or on a tablet, um, and then they're able to uh, manipulate the system, change set points. Uh, schedule the system for occupied, unoccupied hours, set up alarms for when systems aren't performing as they should be, uh, Set up trend logs so they could uh, they could view the uh, history of uh, of the systems how they've been performing over time. Especially that's very critical for troubleshooting and and commissioning. And then uh, we also have energy logs so we can monitor energy in the building, uh, look at how the building profile is uh, is over time with the the uh, occupancy and the energy consumption. We also have uh, some. Uh, Features that allow demand limiting, so we can monitor the energy in the building, and we can turn loads on and off to uh, limit uh, peak demand charges, as well as uh, uh, spread the set points apart uh, to, you know, make the heat cooling set point higher and the heating set point lower, to save energy. Um, so that's kind, of ener- that's kind of the that's kind of the, that's kind of the elevator speech. My wife usually says uh, it's kind of like the thermostat on the wall. That's the kind of stuff he does, and people go, oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Heating and cooling. Okay, exactly. Heating right. and
1: cooling, comfort so, conditions.
0: <laughs> so you have, uh, obviously, you have software. That's a big component of what you do. You have the products, and, and you, does your product line basically end with the brains, the controls, uh doesn't really get to the, uh, you know, like the actuators or the boxes or anything like that? Is that kind of what I'm we hearing? Don't,
1: yeah, cause we don't. Yeah, because we don't. Uh, Allerton um, came about in the early '80s. Uh, with the onset of uh, the microprocessors um, becoming more affordable at the commercial level. And so uh, the traditional control companies, uh, Honeywell, Johnson, back in the day... uh, Robert Shaw, Barbara Coleman, uh, MCC Powers, which now became, uh, had, has become Siemens. They were the, they were the big five and, and they pretty much owned the market and everything was pneumatic and anything that was computerized was a huge computer, uh, that would fit into a, a room. Um, and all they really did was scheduling and alarming and some graphics. They really didn't do much beyond that. And so Allerton was one of the wave of, of companies that took all those pneumatic controls and put them down into a, a circuit board uh, using microprocessors and then distributed it around a building. So we're talking Allerton, Automated Logic, uh, Stafa, um, and, then, and then Delta would be close on to that. Uh, so those are the ones that uh, basically came on the market, but we, didn't, we weren't manufacturers like Honeywell and Johnson and uh, Robert Shaw and Barbara Coleman and Powers. Siemens, because we didn't make actuators and we didn't make uh, dampers and we didn't make um, relays and things. We just had the brains, and so we would uh, our our distribution, our contractors and our dealers. They would take our controllers and our software, and then they would go buy products uh, off the shelf. They'd buy Siemens actuators or Honeywell actuators or Belimo actuators. They'd go to people like Kelly and Associates and get all the parts and pieces because. Really, a sensor is a sensor, you know. A thermistor in the duct is a thermistor in the duct, typically. Um, but the one thing that Allerton did was that we we came up with a um, uh, communicating wall sensor. People call it a thermostat, which you know, thermostat is something that turns something on and off. Um, uh, but this is really a communicating wall module, and it senses temperature. Uh, humidity, CO2. It allows the occupant to change the set point. It allows the occupant to um, schedule the space when it's after hours in unoccupied uh, periods. They can go occupied for a set period of time. So really, we have the wall sensor that connects to our field controller, that connects to our building controller, that connects to the software. So we have it basically um, from top to bottom uh, our products, but. Uh, what we design and manufacture and then it's those field devices like you said sensors and actuators that pretty much you can use anything off the shelf for that
0: right and i think in in, in general i would say it's kind of a benefit to the owner because you're not locked into a a proprietary uh component that that you're you're exactly you have to
1: buy it, exactly and you know there's different processes require a different level of um of product you know if it's a if it's a data center and they, want, and they want it to be more industrial than a commercial office building, then they could buy industrial-grade uh, valves and sensors and actuators, which makes sense.
0: Right. So you, you mentioned Honeywell there, and I know that uh, you're involved with Honeywell. So could you explain a little bit about your relationship with, with Honeywell?
1: So uh, Allerton was founded in 1981 by three gentlemen. Uh, and, then in ni- and then in 2003, uh, uh, the two remaining gentlemen that owned uh, Allerton, they sold it to a company out of the U.K. Um, and that company uh, was, was, uh, also owned uh, Novar and also owned Trend Controls, which is very big in, in Europe and uh, in, um, Asia. And so uh, Allerton became part of that group. And then Honeywell stepped up in 2005 and bought this company out of the UK. They, they went by the name of Novar PLC. And so uh, Trend, Allerton, and Novar now became brands of Honeywell. So Allerton is a brand of Honeywell. And, and, it's, and we're in this family of brands. Uh, we're all sort of cousins now. And... Uh, a lot of people don't realize how big Honeywell is. They have four businesses. They do aerospace. A lot of cockpits are designed by Honeywell. Uh, a lot of people don't know that the, um, in the history of Honeywell, they're the ones that came up with the black box, which is really orange, uh, that they talk about when there's a, a, an air, air disaster. Um, and lots of uh, amazing um, uh, software, uh, especially GPS-related Uh, technologies to keep it so planes don't run into things it's pretty amazing what they do on the aerospace side transportation uh honeywell is a leader in uh um, turbos for cars and trucks Uh, uh, diesel turbos which is pretty amazing volkswagens for example have honeywell turbos and then they do specialty materials uh and whatnot and the the business that allerton is in is a Automated controls and solutions, and that's the traditional Honeywell controls that people remember from years and years and years ago, uh, all the way back to uh, 1890s uh, when Honeywell was founded in Minneapolis. And so we're kind of in a in a division within that called combustion and controls uh, systems, uh, commercial control systems. Um, anyways, uh, in this you will our, our cousins include Novar which uh, their market is big box uh, retail, you know, the Walmarts and the Lowe's and the, and the Home Depots. And then there's the uh, Honeywell building control systems, and they, and they do uh, their controls are sold through uh, distribution of uh, distributors over counter sales to contractors and whatnot. And then Allerton, our, our distribution is to an authorized dealer network um, throughout North America and then uh, expanding um, throughout the world. We've had some long-time uh, international dealers, but we're, we're, we're gaining momentum in the high-growth regions. And um, it's so Allerton is looked at as, as the brand within Honeywell that targets uh, segments like the K-12 through 12 segment we're big in, data centers we're big in, pharma, uh, hospitals, uh, university campuses, um, and large building campuses, so large systems with, with uh, um, lots of integration. Um, Allerton was one of the uh, um, early adopters and, 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 and sort of the founders, so to speak, of, of BACnet out in the marketplace. So when the ASHRAE released BACnet specification back in the late 90s, um, uh, Allerton, Automated Logic, and Delta were like the three smaller companies that were the first to market with full BACnet systems. And so within Honeywell, Allerton is looked at as the BACnet expert in the BACnet system um, as opposed to the proprietary systems like uh, well, LON is open, so to speak, but not, not like BACnet is. And then, um, uh, of course, within Honeywell is Tritium, and a lot of us are, are leveraging Tritium's Niagara framework um, as an underlying piece within our system, software and hardware.
0: And and how, if I could ask you to expound upon that, how exactly is that happening? I mean, I've run into to, uh, Tritium, and I have this understanding of their their kind of their overlay um, for certain municipalities and, and things like that. Um, that that's a benefit, but you're you're saying the ar- underlying architecture of that you're incorporating to what you do.
1: Right, so we'll take their framework, which really is is the is, is what you know what Tritium's developed over the last fifteen plus years, um, is this framework that you can build upon, you can build applications upon it, and 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 its and its strength lies in the fact that it's it's a middleware. Some people um, uh, in, in early on, I mistakenly referred to their products as gateways, and I was corrected by a colleague who said uh, gateways just translate and you have, you have nothing more than just translating one language to another. But the, the power of the Niagara framework is as a middleware, I can bring in um, systems of disparate protocols, I can normalize them within Niagara... And then I can go back out to those disparate systems and control and schedule an alarm from them, and I can log them. And, and so the beauty there is um, I could take BACnet and LON and Modbus, and I could take uh, Andover's proprietary, I can take um, uh, the old uh, CSI proprietary. Uh, American Auto Matrix, I think there's drivers for that. So a lot of people have stepped up and made drivers, basically applications built on top of the Niagara framework. And so we've taken it, and we're using it in our development of our Compass software to leverage uh, that framework, as well as in our um, Ascent Control module, the ACM, we put a Niagara station within the ACM to allow integration to those disparate systems bringing them all into a, a single backnet system
0: okay i'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to for the for the layman here and and for myself def- define framework I, I hear the word framework a lot what what does that framework mean when you say framework it's
1: it's 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 more than an operating system it's sort of a I guess Framework would 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 imply that it's a platform that you can build upon. So um, it's like someone saying, uh, "What's a good explanation of that?" A good example might be might be Linux. I mean, Linux is an operating system, but it's also a platform that people uh, have built upon.
0: Uh, um, I mean, does it come with like a toolkit that you use, or?
1: Yep, yep. That they have a they have a toolkit. Uh, they have developer toolkits. Uh, you know, for people that want to build drivers and whatnot, and a lot of it's pretty basic. Uh, it's it, you know to build upon it. Um, it's it's not unlike taking uh, Excel and building a a, a Visual Basic app uh, application using Excel to do things. So it's like having this this foundation, and then it it has a bunch of hooks to it, um, and then I can I can just get in there and build upon it and build different applications, which a lot of people have done.
0: Okay. So now I mean you you mentioned the Ascent uh, Compass software. Now that was one of the things that that you had on display at the expo there in Chicago. Uh, obviously you you've come out with your uh your basic system back in 81 uh when Allerton was first starting out. What's what does this latest version have that that you know people would be interested in? Well, um
1: so we built upon our um, uh, legacy or our current envision for Backtalk, uh, Allerton Building Suite, which was envision for Backtalk the software, and then we had a component called WebTalk that gave you uh, web access into uh, the system from uh, from a browser client. And so Compass, we've we've sort of taken that to the next step and incorporated it. Um, you know, the, the two into one software. And now everything, uh, all access into the system is through a browser. So it's, it's where the industry is, is going. It's where it is now. Um, pretty much uh, all, the, all the manufacturers uh, that I spoke of, they're all going to where everything's browser-based. Um, you just basically have this software that's running as a, as a service, or application, and uh, you don't really go to the computer to access the system. You just hit that web server in the in the computer that you've installed, and then you have everything presented to you through the browser. And so, it's a, a big step for us uh, to to provide that. Um, because in the process, we wanted to get away from Java, as everyone has wanted to get away from Java, because it's just become a pain with all the security issues around Java and having to keep updating it. And so Compass uh, uses the um, current HTML5 uh, protocol for the, for the, for the web. Um, and and what's, what we've stressed in the development of Compass is the user uh, workflows and the, and the ease of use. Allerton has no, been known traditionally, uh, throughout its, uh, its uh, history as being a very easy to use, easy to install, easy to engineer product. And so we've just taken that to the next level as we develop our browser-based, uh, system Compass and really gone in and looked at, um, how to make it easier for a user to do scheduling to make it easier for a user to navigate around the system and easier for a user to uh, set up alarms and schedules and trend logs and view trend logs
0: I mean that's 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 ultimately critical you know I mean with the you know basically I see this education disparity you don't you really no longer in, in most situations have somebody who's operating a building that really has, you know, knowledgeable in depth, you need some software that's more intuitive that's going to help them kind of, you know, check the basic boxes, you know, just to be able to say, okay, here's how you, how you should operate your system. Here's what you do every morning when you get in. You know, you have your cup of coffee, you check, you know, make sure there's, you know, no alarms or whatever. But I mean, that's kind of where the market's going. In a simplistic fashion, because I see it from two different standpoints. I see it from you know the very uh, technical technician level where they're trying to get everything to work, and then I also see it from the uh, maintenance angle where the maintenance guy is like, okay, now now what do I do? I gotta I gotta learn how to navigate around here, and and being intuitive obviously helps that.
1: Exactly, and one of the things we did uh, as we began developing um, the Ascent products and and the Compass software was we went out and we hired a user experience uh, uh, designer. It's called a UX um, user interface, a UX UI designer, and this individual has been uh, critical in teaching us and helping formulate uh, how the workflows are and and. And and you know what is a customer? What is the user doing? What's what's their what's their goal? What's the task at hand, and how to how to present that to them in an easy to understand and easy to do interface? Um, he's taught me a lot uh, about you know user ex- user design and user experience you know workflows, and then I in turn have taught him a lot about the industry and what and what it is that we're making and why we're making it and who we're making it for. Um, he came out of the gaming industry, so his uh, his understanding of you know ease of use and and you know presentation of of information and data through a computer is is, is pretty cool. Um, and so that's really the focus because it's it's very compl- it could be very complicated to operate a building if you don't understand what it is that's in the building. So one of the things that we have encompass. Uh, that, that we use to simplify it is we have a navigation tree that's a very easy uh, thing to create using an Excel spreadsheet. And in that navigation tree, you can you can set it up. And I give the example when I'm out evangelizing, I say, well, you know, there's, there's three questions that typically happen uh, with, uh, with somebody running a building. It's, uh, the first question is, well, where is the, is the person who's called me where are they located, and, and where you know where in the building are they complaining about comfort conditions? So I could present the building in a, in a location sort of you know first floor of this office, second floor of this office, kind of um, navigation. But at the same time, I could also present it in a systems uh, perspective. You know, here's a VAV box, and it's being supplied by this rooftop unit. So they could see that relationship. Um, and, you know, that rooftop unit's being supplied by this chiller and this boiler. So when they go to troubleshoot it, they could say, oh, the room's uncomfortable, but the VAV box is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Oh, the rooftop unit's not providing cold enough air. Up, oh, it's the chiller. It isn't uh, operating correctly. So it's easy for them to see those system relationships. And then, of course, um, the third view is more from a, a technical aspect for a you know installation it's sort of a network view i have this global controller and it has these field controllers underneath it you know i have this router and i have these devices underneath it and of course with um the way you can set up users not everybody can see all the views know, you get a, a mechanical contractor or someone like like you Matt who understands systems and and you're going to look at the systems view or the network view but you get a building operator and that can be very confusing and almost overwhelming to them they just want to know where in the building do i need to send somebody to go uh, find out what's going on
0: so now i mean you get obviously uh the the user interface and just kind of for a a general person you know what kind of what they're looking for. So you make it look user-friendly. You kind of use your insight into the industry. But I guess, you know, is there a mechanism for you to get feedback from the end user saying, hey, you know what, I wish it would do this or I wish it would do that?
1: I wish it was easier for me. So what I do is uh, I go out and visit uh, our dealers and their customers um, a lot. Uh, I go out easily once a month i'm on the road uh for instance next week i'm going to the new york city area to meet with our, our dealers there and a couple customers um and really i was i was going there just to meet with a couple with one of our dealers and i said Well, i'm there i'd like to go talk to a couple customers that have our product and find out you know just like you said what do you like what don't you like how can i make it better um where do you get frustrated and and you know uh, but, but, I also want to know what they like because if if they tell me what they like, then I know we should make more of that <laughs> and and I want to know what they don 't like because we should make less of that kind of thing and so i i 'd love it if we could and maybe eventually I talk about putting in something where it 's like you know feedback to the feedback to Allerton you know press this button and tell us what you know what you like and don 't like. Um, it's, it's akin to um, smartphone apps with the, um, you know, rate this app, right? right. App developers, that's like, that's like a beautiful feedback mechanism.
0: There you go. You just have to have a pop-up. Yep.
1: Rate, rate this product. <laughs> and, you know, so many people are doing that now, but well, I'll get there. You know, it's baby steps. It's it, a marathon,
0: yeah. not a sprint. So I guess uh, you've had this uh, new software. How how long on the market?
1: So we uh, we released uh, Compass One Point Oh in uh, January of 2014, and then in uh, uh, and it was um, it was the it was a basic system. It didn't have everything in it that that we wanted it. But but we wanted to get it in the market as soon as possible. We wanted to get it in the hands of of our dealers and their customers and the users, because we want that. We, I wanted that immediate feedback. I wanted to know: Are we on the right path? Are we going in the right direction? Uh, so it was essentially uh, uh, it did everything that our current product did uh, through the web. The, the, that's the uh, Allerton Building Suite with the vision for backtalk and webtalk and knowing that we needed to add we were going to be adding more of 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 the features and functionality that would be accessed through the browser and so uh, we got a bunch of feedback and remember I talked about the 8 week development cycle so we went through those those we went through two of those 8 week cycles and then in the uh, um, april time frame uh, April, May, we delivered uh, a Compass 1.1, and we added more features and more functionality. Um, but again, the customer said, hey, I want more of this. I want to be able to do everything that I, that I need to do with schedules, trends, and alarms through the browser. I don't want to have to go to um, to the workstation and sit at the computer and do that. And so uh, so knowing that, that full well, we, we then delivered all of those features in November of 2014. Um, with Compass 1.2, and currently we're uh, in the final uh, uh, cycle of getting ready to release Compass 1.3 in May, in the May timeframe, and it's really targeted to uh, high growth regions in the international market, and the big piece here is the localization, um, allowing our uh, international dealers uh, in China, in Central and Latin America, South America, and in um, the Middle East and North Africa to be able to uh, localize the, the, the web user interface into their local language. And one of the cool things we did in that is um, they can uh, uh, translate the, the web UI, the, 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 the product, Um, uh, through lexicon files into the various languages. So we have some guys doing Spanish. We have guys doing French-Canadian. We have someone doing French uh, for North Africa. We have someone doing Portuguese for Brazil. And then uh, I can have all of those files in the system. And then if I set my browser to the local language that I want to view uh, in in the browser, then uh, they can connect to a compass system and everything's presented to them in their local language. And the beauty of that is um, I can connect to the system and, and see everything in French, and then, Matt, you can connect to the system and, the same system and see everything in English. And, and that, I think that's a kind of a cool feature. Uh, a lot of, the, uh, of our dealers and customers here in North America, especially in the United States, are like, well, that, that doesn't really have value to me. And I said, oh, wait a minute, though. In California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, South Florida... All of those border states in South Florida, where there's a lot of Spanish-speaking uh, individuals, that makes it really easy for them to operate the system because now they get it in their native language. If they're, uh, you know, ESL um, individuals where English is a second language, mm-hmm. and of course, we're going to add some some more value features. So that's the next that's the next release here coming up.
0: Excellent. So I, I guess you know, aside from uh, some of the language things, which I you know, I mean, those are fascinating what What are end users most you know what's what's their number one thing? I mean you mentioned scheduling. Is there anything else that they're they're kind of you know all up in arms about like, hey, I need this or you know it's good enough, but yeah I mean there are the incremental changes or is it you know bigger things they're looking for?
1: Well, you know the big push now is uh, is you know getting getting applications in the cloud using the cloud infrastructure, uh, leveraging that. Um and and I and and the big push now is uh analytics, um fault detection and diagnostics. So it's that it's it's the continuous commissioning aspect, you know. I want to be able to I want my system to tell me um you know once I've got it configured, once I have it operating, I want it to tell me is it operating at, at optimum performance? And if not, where is it not functioning correctly? So examples of that would be looking at economizers are classic things that fail and add cost uh, to the operation of a building. If a uh, if the outside air damper and return air damper actuators if if they have an issue and I'm not closing those outside air dampers like I should, that means I'm bringing in outside air and I'm spending money to condition that. So if I can if I can if I can monitor that and look at the 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 performance of that economizer section of a of an air handling unit, then I can get a warning that hey you know this this looks like it's not functioning correctly because that because what you do Matt is commissioning and you go in and you get it so you say yep everything is operating exactly as it should it's all operating you know per the spec and per the sequence and everything's everything's golden, but over time something might happen you know the the shaft on the actuator might might slip or the connection might loosen. And usually people don't find that out until it's they've spent a lot of money um, uh, on energy costs. Um, and other things are looking, you know, looking at um uh the energy consumption within a building. People want to know where am I using energy, where is energy being used that it should not be used. And so, connecting into the to the various systems um, to monitor like plug loads and monitor you know sub-meters. Um, So I think the, the next big push that the users want again is uh, that analytics, the fault detection and diagnostics, the presentation of information, better presentation, um, uh, you know, graphs and 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 graphic displays that that, that inform easily without having to think about it. You know I should be able to look at a floor plan and go, "Oh, that room's hot, oh, that room's cold and then and then go find out why
0: absolutely, you know I mean, I guess a couple of things at least from my my standpoint is that when you get into that fault detection, that analytics, um I've really seen some i guess uh big issues with the data I mean you know data is always streaming. You know, out of the out of the building automation system, and just being able to capture that in a meaningful way and store the historic, you know, trending. Um, you know, I mean, some systems just uh, they they can't do it. I mean, that's a that's a big issue with some systems, yeah. depending on you know you know if you have an engineer who says, hey, you know what, I want to trend everything, and you kind of look at him and go, yep. y- do you really know what you're saying? Um, right you know, especially you know when you get multiple buildings and and you're trying to you know dial into a browser and it just why why is it not why why is the graphic not coming up well because it's right. bogged down in collecting data
1: right and that's and that's a real frustration you know when you you go to a, a system and it's like look at all these alarms you have set up here do these do you do anything with these and usually the user will say Nah, i just ignore them how about how about we go through and delete them all, and let's sit down and talk about what really is important to you? What do you you know? What are you going to take action on instead of you know how, how someone else thought it should be set up? I always I always find that interesting. And the data collection, Matt, like you said, I mean, it, yeah, it's great that it, they can collect all that data, but it ends up being garbage if you're not going to do anything with it.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: I mean, you've got to do something with it. And so that's that, um, you know, the analytics and the, and the fault detection and the diagnostics. And then to do things like monetize that analytics and that, that fault detection so that the guy says, well, I have, I have four things that, that, that aren't operating correctly. Which one should I work on? Well, let's monetize it. That one you should work on because if we don't fix that one, then we're going to spend, you know, X amount more in energy costs so it makes it easy to prioritize what should be worked on.
0: Now, I mean, obviously, you, you, you kind of talk about this analytics as, I mean, and, and in the industry, um, there are some people that, you know, are all hyped up about it. Um, it's still, in my opinion, it's not quite there yet. Um, but it's not. But it, you talk about it being integrated into uh, your build, your you know, your, your, your software and, I mean, do you envision a time when you're like, uh, you know what, um, we're going to have, you know, these six things, um, you know, and they're going to be, you know, monitored for you. So there's no setup involved, you know, realistically, maybe a little bit on the on the front end by the installer, but there's nothing that the owner has to do. It'll always, you know, right. it'll already be set up.
1: So uh, now you're getting into my vision, and, and my vision for Allerton and the, and, you know, and, and the industry and what the users need, uh, one of the things that I'm pushing for is uh, we're getting ready to um, refresh our field controllers because they, they're, they're getting pretty long in the tooth. And one of the things, one of those automatic things, and you kind of spoke to it about you know, out, you know, logging every point. Well, I want to do that. I want to make it so that every point that you're using in the field controller is being logged locally in the field controller. however, that doesn't mean all that information gets pushed up into the cloud up into the database because not all that information is is important and 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 allowing uh, you know you the commissioning agent or me the control contractor or you know working together with the user saying well you know I'm logging these two hundred points in that controller, but only about ten of them we need to bring up to the cloud to really do the analytics. The reason I want to log all those points in the controller is because if there's something going wrong in that controller, I want to be able to look back over the next over the past seventy-two hours or ninety-six hours. You know, ideally, get a week's worth of data there that I can look at and go, "Oh, I see what's going on." So that that piece is that automatic, you know, set it and forget it kind of um, the configuration. But my real vision is that. I truly believe that one day we'll be able to take an an artificial intelligence, sort of a um, distributed artificial intelligence, is what I call it in my vision, where um, the analytics are such that they're watching how the building is 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 performing because. You and I, as the control contractor and the commissioning agent, we, we set it up and we said, alright, here's, here's the, here's the baseline. Here's how the building operates. And then that, that cloud analytics looks at it over time and eventually it might say to the user, I've noticed that people come in early and put the system into manual override. Would you like to adjust your schedules? And, and usually ask, you know, it would be one of those ones where they ask the building operator, would, you know, you should do this. And then eventually it might say, would you like me to do that for you? And then eventually it's like, I'll just do it for you and I won't tell you, but I'll, I'll let you know in a report once a month what I did to make your building operate better. You know, that aspect is what I think is the future of, of, the, of all of this analytics and cloud computing is to, you know, help the building operator make decisions. Because, like you said earlier, it's a it's an experience um, education uh, limitation of the workforce. You know, they don't really understand the systems. They don't understand the interaction between the chill water plant and the and the air distribution and the energy consumption and the people coming and going. And the, and you know, somebody's got to help them with that.
0: Right, and you know, and I, I got to imagine, you know, as I, I've I've gone through that. Iteration a couple of times. I mean, there's only only so many things. I mean, if if you if a VAV box is doing something wrong, there's only so many. There's going to be a couple telltale signs where you're going to be able to monitor that. Um, but right. you, but you know it 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 could be it could be critical at any one location. I mean, data center. You know things things even the smallest things to monitor. You know it doesn't. You know I, I guess you have a an AI. Um, that kind of monitors this data, and it doesn't take them, you know, any more to do, you know, a hundred trends than to do ten thousand trends. You know, it's a matter of right. milliseconds to to kind of flag right. whatever's whatever's doing, you know, doing that. So that's exactly. I, you know, I like to predict. I'm like, okay, so. So if this is true and you're going to integrate it into your current system, either I learn how to do, you know, multiple different, uh, you know, trend logs and uh, analytics, you know, for Allerton or Johnson or Siemens or whoever, or, you know, basically you're going to develop something, you're going to eat my lunch and just do it for me, and I'm going to be out of a, you know, a business model, so to speak.
1: Actually, though, um, one of the things that, that I want to get to is where we we're able to build in the features that you as a commissioning agent need that make your job easier. Because I know that, that, you know, you step on the job and it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get this out of the system. I want to know this about the system. And so at some point, you know, when, in our development cycle, I want to start addressing your, you know, the commissioning agents needs, um, as they relate to the to the to the Allerton dealer, to make that part of the installation and and, uh, and turnover of a building easier, especially coming back, right? Because you go back and you recommission, mm-hmm. and, you, and it, it'd be nice to know. Well, like it'd be great for you to hit a button and say, give me the give me a report on the differences, <laughs> and then you go and then you go away and you look at it and go, oh, well, there's lots of change since I was here. When we when we installed this building, I mean it's all that data is there, and I just want to make it easier for you to get to it, so that you can determine what needs to be, you know, fixed.
0: Right. But I mean, uh, no, to my point, at some point, you know, pushing a button, you know, just about anybody can do that. It, uh, obviously, knowing what to do with the data that you get back, that's going to be that's going to be the proposition. Right. Um, it's just right, gonna that's
1: be... the va- that's right. That's the value you add. Right. How to you know how to discern and, and decipher all of that information? Okay, that's
0: fascinating stuff. Now, obviously, I you know yeah, I took a look at the ascent uh, compass software, um, and one of the phrases that struck me uh, was the monitors and controls a whole host of building systems. Now, I mean, you're talking more than HVAC here. You're going into other things. Can you explain a little bit about yes, what that means? Well,
1: well, with um, again. Uh, know the various protocols uh, modbus is a good one where we can look at um, energy meters um, and and Backnet being a, a, a protocol that a lot of manufacturers and, and various system uh, vendors uh, have have embraced and again back to the the niagara framework and being able to uh, uh, monitor and control um, disparate systems you know primary proprietary protocols so really it's it gets down to it 's more than just HVAC that you need to monitor and control as far as comfort and energy um, i 've always found it interesting that um, i have a I have a wall sensor that is controlling the temperature and humidity and pressure within a space, and then next to it is a light switch that has an occupancy sensor on it well. Really, we only need one thing on the wall to do that. And if they're scheduling the HVAC system based upon, you know, the workday, um, they should also they shouldn't have to also go into a lighting system and do that same thing. They should be able to set one schedule for the building, and all the systems then w- w- will react to that schedule. If I walk into a conference room, the occupancy sensor should say, "Oh, people are in this conference room." I'm going to now run the h v a c system for a non vacant mode, and I'm going to turn the lights on so um, it's really uh it's always been the promise of the uh of the building automation industry to you know connect everything together, but I think it's getting more and more easier to do that
0: now, just based on that example i mean obviously the yeah, the one thing I would say is yeah there is a um, you know, you get into a position where you have multiple trades that, you know, if they say, okay, it's going to be a thermostat slash light switch, okay, now who puts it in? Who provides it? Right. You know, I mean, you right. get this discussion between, you know, is it going to be, you know, uh, something that a, uh, a Lutron would provide or is it something that Allerton provides? Um, you know, because it is, you know, you connect, you know, you're – uh, yeah, you know, 120 line voltage to it, you know. There's a problem, or is it just you know? Because uh, two, I know that <laughs> there's a lot of different things, and you know, you talk to engineers long enough, and they get some t- some of the some of the times they get these crazy ideas, and they, you know that's great for pushing the envelope, but whether you can institute those you know sequences is another thing. But one of the things right. that I found interesting is that the lighting control systems have a certain set of functions that they've kind of started to develop. Um, And that's not always necessarily the same as, you know, what you'd have on a thermostat, you know, like you, for instance, there's a, uh, like for um, some of the, like Wattstopper has a walkthrough mode, where if somebody comes in and leaves within 30 seconds, it's not going to turn on the lights. Right. You know, so it's.
1: And so, and I think, and I think that's not, I don't see the, like the, the like allerton taking over that control I, I i i don't see us doing that but but allowing the two systems to work together
0: so you basically the, lot, you'd have a two gang box and you'd have you plug you know you'd put yours right next to the you know the 120 i don't know
1: yeah i mean a lot of it now especially the lighting systems you know the leds are all you know that's low voltage stuff, and then uh, being able to um, do light harvesting. You know, measure the light coming in from the from the windows, and then dimming the, the, the lights near the windows because you know to save energy because we don't need you know we we can use the light from outside. You know that's something that's part of the lighting control system. But as far as the occupancy part, um, you know some zones. In the building would be the traditional occupancy of a time schedule, um, you know, in an, in an open office floor plan, let's mm-hmm. say. But it's those corridors, like you explained, that aren't typically uh, occupied. It might be a, a corridor in part of the building that is only ac- accessed every once in a while, or conference rooms, or these. Uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a phone booth room here in our new office, and because uh, we have a big office, open office plan. And it has an occupancy um, sensor for the light switch, uh, but um, I found that it's overly sensitive. I walk by the room and the light comes on, so it's like, well, hmm, I wonder if someone like Matt has commissioned that because <laughs> it seems overly sensitive. Nobody's um, changed the Matt dip switches, no. Nope. Maybe maybe Matt needs to come and <laughs> help, help the, the building owner understand how to make that work right. Um, so I think I think it's not where where the I don't believe in like one system. You know, it's not like one ring to control all. It's like um, you know the connectivity of the systems together, so that they work in concert with each other instead of fighting each other. Because mm-hmm. it's really it's it's really the driver of it. Matt's going to be energy. It's it's all going to be around. We gotta we gotta we gotta turn stuff off that doesn't need to be on we got to make it so that we're, we're only ventilating what we need to ventilate based upon the number of people that are in the space. Um, we don't need to you know, have it on cooling um, all the time. Uh, from a control standpoint, I don't know how you are when you go into those the, the new retail malls in the country where they look like little downtown areas, right? It's not mm-hmm. a mall, but they look like a bunch of storefronts. And I've been in parts of the country, Florida, Texas, Uh, North Carolina in the summertime and I walk down those sidewalks and and those retail stores have their doors open and you just you feel the blast of cold air coming out of that retail store and I was asking someone why do they do that and they and the guy said it's marketing they're enticing the person to come in because it's cool and it's and and they'll feel better as opposed to being out where it's hot and humid and I thought what a energy waster that is i mean it's just it just boggles my mind that they just have the doors wide open and they're basically you know trying to trying to air
0: condition uh you know south florida it's <laughs> anything i mean it's it's all about what their uh, key performance indicators are right you know if they sell more right. because they do that then it's then it's worth the money spent on air conditioning
1: <laughs> the, the cost of electricity is is, is nothing <laughs>
0: Exactly. Well, you know I mean we've talked about a lot of things and, and um, I guess if somebody wanted to learn more about this uh, product, what what's the best way to do it?
1: Uh, we have uh, the Allerton.com site has some uh, um, information on on the ascent uh, compass uh, and, and the uh, ascent control module and our new microset 4. Uh, there's some information up there. Uh, there's also on the website uh, they can locate their uh, at their authorized Allerton dealer in their in their in their market, um, and they can contact them and to find out more information. Um, and then uh, I think I think those are the two primary ways to go about it. Um, they could they could try to hunt me down. <laughs> <laughs> It's not very difficult to hold them my name. doesn't take long to find me.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, as far as, you know, training classes, is that something that's, that's popular at all for somebody who's maybe not necessarily working for a distributor? I mean, is that something that's open to the public? I, I, I've, I've seen training classes there, but I don't know if it's specifically directed towards the... Uh, so we'll, 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 we'll train anybody,
1: and we don't segregate our training classes between, uh, our dealer network and, and, and users. And so, uh, you know, if, if you were to come to a training class, Matt, you would sit in a class with our dealers and we would teach you everything that we teach our dealers in how to, um, engineer, uh, install, uh, deploy, commission, uh, an Allerton control system, uh, from the, from the hardware to the software, uh, and so the only, the only um, criteria there is you just have to go through an Allerton dealer. That's, that's all you have to do is just contact an Allerton dealer in your market and say, hey, I want to go to the Allerton training class. And then you, 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 know, you basically work through them on, the, on, on whatever the costs might be.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, Kevin, I offer you the last word. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you'd uh, like to discuss?
1: No, gosh, you know, you get me going and I, everybody knows that once you start me talking, it's very difficult to shut up and, uh, and the only thing I'm missing is a whiteboard because, you know, I'll jump up on a whiteboard and I'll start drawing pictures. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think we covered a lot. It was very interesting. I, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I look to, forward to talking to you in the future. Uh, to get your feedback uh, on your needs as a commissioning agent you know with with systems, so I know you'll you 'll hear from me in the future, but otherwise, I want to thank you very much for this opportunity.
0: All right, well, thank you, Kevin, for being on the show all right, and we 're back. thanks again to our guest, Kevin Callahan uh, for taking time out of his schedule to uh, talk to us. Um, the HVAC 360 audience. Um, thank you for listening and being part of this audience. I really do appreciate it. And I think that, you know, being the top 3%, uh, learning every day, it, it's, it's good stuff. It's, it's really required, especially when changes are happening in our industry so fast. We need to be able to not only keep up on it, but keep refreshing ourselves. To it. I was talking to uh, uh, somebody the other day and it, it really kind of, you know, uh, again, hit home when we need there, you know, the more you know in this industry, the more you've spent time in this industry, the more you realize, hey, there's just so much that I don't know. So not only do you have to keep aggressively learning on the new stuff, but you kind of have to keep revisiting the old stuff so it all keeps fresh in your mind. So, I thank you for listening. Uh, A couple things. Uh, Sign up for my email list. Go to HVAC360.com and uh, sign up for that list. Uh, That'll get you all the little uh, tidbits that I'm sending out there kind of behind the scenes. It'll it'll get you in the know. Um, And also, uh, I just want to make sure that if you did like this episode, hey, pass it on. Thank you for listening again. And remember, as always... Know what you build and share what you know.